0: G'day, my name is Chris Anderson and welcome to the Ando & Co podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with uh, Jenna Britton. We are in two different locations. I'm in Brisbane and Jenna is in Portland. Um, and so we're, we're speaking today about her story up until now and, and what she's up to. And, and my understanding is that she's a writer, she's a coach, and she also uh, is a human design practitioner. So Jenna, have I got that pretty close to right? Or what more would you like to add?
1: No, I think you've got it perfectly. I would say that um, I have pretty much always known that I wanted to be a writer. And it was one of those things that I did with uh, without, in, without inhibition when I was younger. I was writing all the time, creating stories, creating different worlds for myself. Um, And then as we grow up, as tends to happen, I was told like, that's a really fun hobby, but it's not necessarily a job. That's not, you know, how you're gonna make money and how you're gonna support yourself. So kind of like swerved into marketing and copywriting and these ways of like taking that creativity, I thought, and, and channeling it into something where I could actually make a living for myself. And I do still do some of that work sometimes, but I think the last probably five or six years has been a bit of an unraveling for me of, like what people told me I was able to do as a writer and, and what I was able to create and figuring out if I can sort of carve a new niche for myself in that world. Part of that is because I was introduced to human design, which I know we'll talk about a little bit more, but that really showed me that that each of us are very, very uniquely designed. And if we're able to align with, with the ways that we are in the world with our own individual strengths, then we can have success, even if it's not the way other people have found success before. So really um, have just been exploring, like what do I want to write? How can I support other people when it comes to my writing? And for me, that has looked like, um, you know, writing a newsletter. I did it pretty consistently for two years or so. I haven't caught up with it recently, but writing a newsletter about like my own life experiences, it was a weekly personal essay um in a sense and then you know doing human design readings to also introduce other people to their own charts and most recently I launched um a four-week online course called writing your way through so people could kind of learn how to tap into their own writing and creativity to help move through any sort of transition that they may be going through in their life
0: and what was the is that now finished the four weeks
1: The first four weeks has been finished, I'm gonna launch it again. So the plan is I did that that first round. And um, even though I didn't call it that it was essentially a beta round as is anything that you're doing for the first time. And so Mm -hmm. I've really been looking at the feedback that I've been getting from that going back through and making sure that things are concise, adding any additional resources that people might need throughout the course, and then I will launch it again. And from there, hopefully just keep launching it in these these four week rounds.
0: And what has the feedback been for the people who are doing this for the first time?
1: Yeah, it's been really, really positive. I think people appreciate um, the, the prompts that help them tap into their own creativity. I am a firm believer that all of us are creative. And I also think pretty much anyone is a writer as long as they're writing, Um, but I think for a lot of us, myself included, there is a lot of conditioning that we've gotten around what it is okay to write about, what it is okay to share, and so I think people feel a lot of permission from the course to write in the way that feels best to them and that helps them tap into their own emotions or feelings around an experience or experiences that they have had. Um, I've also gotten feedback that it's a lot of content. And so I think, you know, I might have to figure out how can I best guide people through that experience over the course of four, four weeks, maybe in the future, I'll make it a longer, um, type of course. But yeah, it's been interesting. It's the first time that I've created an online education program like that, even though I have been involved in other people's. So it's an experiment and, um, yeah, I'm just being patient with myself and, and everyone else who's taking it as we make it better.
0: I'd say if there's a lot of content, you've probably tried to add a lot of value into what it is that you're offering them. So
1: absolutely. like
0: too much content is probably not a bad thing.
1: True, absolutely. And it's also, they don't have to go through everything. Like these are resources for them, you know? So my feeling was like I like you said, I wanna give them a lot of value. And also you can return to this at any time that you need to. Don't feel like you need to go through all of it in one sitting.
0: Awesome. And so yeah. obviously you've decided that or you realize that this is helpful and it's likely that some point you've done for yourself. At what mm-hmm. point did you actually get back into writing and, and start expressing yourself in that way?
1: Oh, I love this question. Um I feel like i had around the time i turned 30 like if you're i don't know if you're into anything astrological but it's when each of us go through our saturn return around 30 years old and it's like this this sense of kind of clicking into adulthood and for me a lot of things happened um, around that time or in the couple of years following including um i ended up getting divorced i moved from los angeles california which is where i'm from to portland oregon this is a Around the time that I I went to World Domination Summit here in Portland and uh, Camp Good Life Project, which is where we met, it was just a, a big time of soul searching in my life, um, and I think that's when I started getting back into journaling more. Quite literally, around I remember sitting in um, upstate New York where we were at camp and sitting by the water with a journal that I had brought with me, and every day I was just writing like I hadn't written like that before, and it felt like reconnecting to myself because I was. Taking all of these sort of vague nebulous thoughts that I think were in my mind and in my heart, and and I was clarifying them for myself when I saw Mm -hmm. them on the page, they were starting to make sense versus being these like, sort of weird feelings of anxiety and confusion and, and instability. And I was able to actually make sense of them by like giving them language on the page. So that really kickstarted uh, a renewal of journaling as often as possible. I still, you know, have days where it doesn't happen, but I always know that if I'm feeling confused or stuck or anything like that, I can turn to a notebook and and probably pretty quickly figure out what's going on with me. Um, and then after I had, I had moved to Portland, I started the newsletter because I wanted an outlet for writing. I wanted to write more about my experiences and share them with other people because. I had experienced before that there's connection. I know you know this as well, there's connection when you write your story and share it and other people can can read it and be like, oh, me too, even if your situations weren't the same. Um, and I wanted something that would hold me accountable. So I put out a newsletter so that people would be expecting something from me every week and did that for almost three years.
0: Awesome. And What did you, did you get constant feedback on newsletters? Were people often replying after you sent them?
1: Um, Yes and no. I got some good feedback sometimes. In the beginning, it was a lot of my, like my mom and my friends, you know, who were were writing about this stuff. And I suspect like just wanted to know what was going on in my life sort of thing. But the longer I did it and the more consistent I was. With it, the more I would find like, oh, somebody signed up, and I had no idea who they were, mm-hmm. um, or I would have friends, you know, referring me to someone else or something like that, and so I, I wouldn't say that I got a lot of feedback. It certainly yep. wasn't consistent, and sometimes that was tough because I it kind of felt like, is anybody reading this? Um, mm-hmm. But there was also a lesson for me in the. I can show up and do this for myself too. Mm -hmm. Like if it's important to me and it's helping me process, then it's also valuable. But every once in a while I'd get an email from someone who I didn't recognize saying that they really connected with something or something, you know, really uh, hit them or touched them on a, on a deep level. And it just reminded me of like, wow, sometimes we have no idea who we're connecting with, but if we're willing to keep showing up and putting ourselves out there, we are likely connecting with someone. And I know that too, as, as someone who has read other people's things and maybe not responded all the time, but been been very much touched by and supported by their work.
0: Awesome. I find, um, I don't know how, how it is for you, but I remember having a conversation with my psychologist where she sort of said, look, if you're up at night, and you can't sleep, then just have a notebook next to your table. Write it is, write it down, whatever it is that you're thinking about at the time, and then make sure you shut that notebook so that your subconscious can turn that off. Do you find that after you've written about something, you can almost just stop worrying about it?
1: Yes, absolutely. Also, I love that advice. I don't keep a notebook by my bed, but that's great advice. Um, I do find that because I think the thing is, if I'm not like actually clarifying it, like I was talking about, if I'm not letting myself put language to it, it just swirls in me. It's just this sort of nebulous anxiety. Cause like I was saying, I don't, I'm not like putting it to words. So I just feel this feeling of heaviness or like confusion or stuckness, or I don't know what to do. And it literally, it sounds kind of silly or, you know, perhaps spiritual or esoteric, but like, it feels like I can take it out of me and put it on the page. And then I don't have to work. I don't have to hold it anymore. Awesome. Cause it's there.
0: Yeah. You've read big magic.
1: Yes. I love big magic.
0: Yeah. Just the way she talks about, um, who, or who your muse is and how that works and how that can somehow be moved between different people because you haven't necessarily taken hold of the idea and run with it. Um, yeah,
1: just, yeah. Yeah, I also love Liz Gilbert or Elizabeth Gilbert. She was one of the first people whose it was Eat, Pray, Love that Mm -hmm. I read. And I had read it um, prior to the end of my marriage. and, And honestly, that book, I know that there are people that don't like it as much. But that book gave me a lot of courage in terms of sometimes you can leave a relationship and there's not necessarily anything wrong on the outside, but it's not right for you. And if you are feeling like you know, this isn't this, the relationship for me or the job for me or, you know, whatever it might be. Insert your situation for relationship here. But like, it was reading her personal story that made me, like gave me strength. And that I remind myself of that when I think about my own writing and like, oh, nobody cares. Why do I write about my life? Like, you know, I have these kind of moments of of, of self-deprecation or imposter syndrome. And I'm reminded of people like Liz who write about their life. And mm. because they do that, I have benefited from it.
0: And I think it's cool to have read read people's stories at a point where you're going through a transition around that you' like 30 years old, split from the marriage and then maybe there's in some way they've made you feel like you should start focusing on on writing yours because you've read theirs. Yes. do you know what I mean? So yes. yeah absolutely. And when you when you started writing, Um, What were you initially focusing on and and where where is that focus today? How has that changed? Just reflective Um, writing.
1: I think when I started writing or rather when I restarted writing as an adult, um, particularly around that that newsletter time, I was kind of just writing about what was happening in my life. Like each week I would think about what is something that I've gone through and what have I learned from that? And part of that is just because I think I'm very personally development-minded. I think very similar to you. Like I'm constantly thinking in terms of like, what is the lesson in this? What is it that I'm trying to avoid here? Um, Is there some kind of shadow I don't want to look at? Or, you know, I'm constantly digging, I think, a little bit. And so that's what it was in the beginning. And I think now I am less trying to like lay out what the lesson is for other people, and more just writing about my own experience. And Mm. um, ideally, I would love to write several books, but I definitely want to write like a book of personal essays. And so I've I've just been thinking a lot on not what's happening in my current life, but what are my the totality of my life experiences so far? Mm. And what is sort of the through line of them, what's the pattern that like ties them all together kind of, mm-hmm. and, and what's the story that I can pull out from that um, to share with other people. So I think I've gone, I've kind of like gone up a little bit more macro to look at my life holistically and figure out like, you know, what what have I learned so far in these 37 years? What, and, and I'm under no illusion that I, I have so much life experience that it's like, you know, I don't know. I know I have a lot more to learn, hopefully, and mm. many, many more years ahead of me. But mm. I do like to look back on this, this first period of my life and figure out, like, what can I share from mm. this?
0: I think the, the other thing is when I think back about when I, and I, I don't write often, but I do enjoy it. And I've found some reflective writing. Well, all the, all the reflecting I do, reflective writing I've done has been helpful for me. Um, but I, I realized that initially when I first sent something to some of my friends, it was like a 10 tips on how to do X better. Like it was, it was learning. It And I realized I actually did write the story and, and I sort of left it as an option as to whether you read that, because for me at the time, I'd probably just read through the tips without worrying about the story. But even just in, being attracted to the first podcast I ever got into was good life project yeah and and I, I think through just and at the time I wasn't working so I, and at the time it was video podcasts and I would sit down and watch these two people have a conversation and it felt the closest thing it could be to me in a in a cafe or a bar or something like that just ha- listening to two people chat and being part of that conversation. So I think through listening to more stories, Gave me more appreciation that actually they don't need to highlight what it is that you need you need to learn from that story because you yes. get to choose what's important from it based on the story that you've listened to or read. Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that's so true, and also I think that there's enormous value. I think in more like educational or informative articles and things like that, and also I do feel that we have been told. There's more value in that than in our personal stories like I I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, personal essay or memoir or something like that being navel gazing or it's someone who's just like it's their journal or their diary and I don't think that that's, that's what it is I think like you said, there, we as the writer can tell the parts of our story that we know are are relevant to our experience and to our evolution as a human and we can trust our reader to take from it whatever they need Mm. you know or whatever serves them we don't necessarily have to like serve it up for them yeah yeah
0: yeah and so i'm interested obviously like when we when i introduced you writer coach human design when did when did human design and coaching come in? And, and which, which would you like to start talking about
1: first? Well, human design came in first and it kind sure. of colors all of that. So I'll, I'll speak to that first. But um, yeah, I first learned about it in 2018. I was driving from Seattle to Portland, which is about a three hour drive. And I was listening to a podcast and they were um, interviewing a human design reader named Jenna Zoe and I was fascinated. I just, you know how you hear about certain systems or personality tests or what whatnot. Mm-hmm. And you're, you are just a, like, I had to go down a rabbit hole as soon as I got home. Um, for those of you who don't know what human design is, it's essentially a self-discovery system, kind of like a personality test and kind of like astrology. It's not either of those things though. It's a, it's a combination of several different modalities. Um, some sort of like indigenous systems that have been around around for a long time and other more like, uh, quantum science type topics. But essentially you put in your birth information, your birth date, time, and location, and you get a chart, uh, what sometimes is called a body graph. And it, it is very odd looking if you've never seen one before. And there's all kinds of shapes and lines and colors. Um, but essentially it highlights the way that you are designed to work in the world, the way that your energy, um, moves and what you have consistent access to and what you maybe don't have consistent access to it highlights your strengths and the role that you're designed to play in the world and really it even highlights um kind of what your purpose is and not necessarily from a career perspective but your overall like as a human being on this earth what are you here to to do and i hesitate to say to do because it's not really something in in terms of human design we call it the incarnation cross and it's not something you have to do per se or learn how to do it will it will do you is what I have heard many other practitioners say like it's what you're here to do it's going to naturally come out of you if you keep aligning with your your energy according to your human design chart so I went down the rabbit hole with this I bought a bunch of like self-study programs mostly I was trying to learn about my own human design first and then uh, you know like badgered all my friends and family for their birth information and was looking up everybody else's charts and then I finally signed up first for a three month uh, mentorship in sort of the the basic foundational pieces of human design Finished that and then signed up for a year long mentorship around all of the advanced parts of reading a chart and I just finished that last September. Um, I have since been become a program advisor in that same program have been doing that for uh, almost a year now as well, and so about a year a little over a year ago um, when i let i got let go for my last job i decided this is my opportunity to really sort of um start like offering this as a service to people and human mm-hmm. design readings is one way like i can pull up someone's chart and tell them about it and talk through different parts of it but what was really important to me was um helping people find clarity and helping them feel more connected to themselves the, the most authentic version of themselves and whatever it is that they were here to do so which is kind of a through line for me even with the writing your way through course like my goal is to help people find clarity mm-hmm. sometimes it's through writing sometimes it's through a human design reading sometimes it's through coaching um so i started coaching as well using people's human design chart as the sort of way to ask them questions and guide them toward the parts of themselves that really align with the energy that i was seeing in their human design chart so Started doing that, like I said, a little over a year ago and have been doing it ever since.
0: Awesome. And when you started looking into your personal human design chart, what was the reading that you eventually were able to give to yourself to, in terms of learning mm-hmm. about what works best for you?
1: Yeah. So um, this is such a good question. Uh, from a high level, I would say that I learned, um, I learned that I am not necessarily meant to be doing all of the the doing per se, like I really operate best as a guide, sort of as someone mm-hmm. who comes in and asks questions and sees people's and systems and is like, you would actually be better doing that or like, you know, or like I was saying with the coaching, like, um, just helping guide people back to their own sense of self, their own cl- their own inner clarity, mm-hmm. things like that, instead of being the one necessarily like in there building something or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be. Like I, I really work well talking to someone and, and giving them an idea mm-hmm. and then stepping away and going on to guide someone else instead of helping them like build that idea out, if that uh, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then so the other thing, and you and I have talked about this because you have the same profile as me, but the other thing is um, I'm a 6'2 profile, which means that part of it is we have three very distinct life phases in, in kind of like 30 year increments. And so that really shed a lot of light on that first 30 years for me, which had mm-hmm. been very trial and error and a lot of like bumping up against life and trying to figure out where I fit. Um, and then the second part of that, the the two and the six two is about being a natural and and having something that comes very naturally to you. and aligning with that and and leaning into that and letting people call that out of you and for me that's writing and for Mm -hmm. a long time because i was told like that's not a way that you make money like go find another way to do that go get into marketing whatever it might be i kind of let that go and human design reminded me like no you're you're a natural at it for a reason lean Mm -hmm. into that and let people you know let people support you in making that a thing awesome yeah,
0: and um just thinking about so obviously it's writing and then from there what were the big things that popped up to you that says don't focus here like obviously you've been bumping around for a little while for, for those first 30 years obviously you've got a feel for what works best for you but were there big sort of red crosses saying don't focus on doing things this certain way like and, and I mm. guess the, the next thing is, was that the way that you'd previously been doing things?
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things um, that we talk about in human design is a, a signature and a not self. So mm-hmm. there's five types and each type has uh, their signature, which is like when you're feeling this way, you know, you are in alignment with your type. And for mm-hmm. a projector, which is what I am, that signature is success, mm. right? So if I'm feeling successful or, you know, that like that I am I am in a position, whether it's a job relationship or whatever, where I'm being set up for success, Mm -hmm. then I, I feel alignment with that. And then the not self of that is bitterness. So if I'm feeling bitter, or like I haven't been, you know, recognized or acknowledged for however, I'm guiding someone, then that's probably a sign that I'm not in something that's the right fit for me um and so yeah and so I can think back on a lot of past work experiences even relationships where I was like I was very bitter or resentful that I didn't feel seen that I didn't feel recognized for what I brought to um, that interaction and that's been really helpful for me even on a day-to-day basis of like oh I can sense some bitterness creeping in here I'm a little Mm -hmm. resentful of this like interaction that we're having it can even happen in like a client relationship right and so Mm -hmm. i have to kind of like to step back and reassess and be like okay is this still the right opportunity not just for me but for them as well because if i'm feeling sort of like off from it then there's Mm -hmm. probably something that's off for both of us um
0: and so is it is it for for all types in human design will they generally get an understanding of something that's wrong from a feeling is that the way that everyone talks or is that just
1: yeah. Like so each type. type has their own. Yeah. yeah cool. Each type has their own. Like for instance, um, you're a generator. Yep. And so the signature for a generator is satisfaction. And so when you're feeling that feeling of satisfaction, it's usually a sign that you are aligned. Um, and then the opposite is frustration. So if you're mm. feeling a lot of frustration around something, it's probably not in alignment for you.
0: Mm-hmm. But the
1: other thing that we talk about in human design is um, you're strategy. Each type has a specific strategy, which is a, a way of like kind of responding to life or interacting with life and people around you. Mm-hmm. And then you also have an authority and your authority is, is how you're most aligned to make decisions. Or if you follow your authority, you're more likely to make aligned decisions. So for instance, for you, you have a sacral authority mm-hmm. and that essentially is like a uh, gut instinct. So mm-hmm. when you have that gut knowing about something, that's your sign, whether it's a yes or a no, it's expansive or it's a contracting, mm-hmm. that is your sign uh, of whether or not something is right for you. And we mm-hmm. talk a lot about like gut instinct in general. And I think everybody t- to a certain extent has access to intuition. They have access to, you know, these, these senses of like, oh, this is maybe not right or or red flags or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are different types of authorities for for different parts of, of human design chart and not everyone's is gut instinct for, for instance, some people have what's called an emotional authority, Mm -hmm. which means that they have a very consistent, like emotional wave, and they are meant to let themselves ride that wave before they make a decision. And so Mm -hmm. we usually tell someone with emotional authority, wait 24 hours before you make a big decision, like let Mm -hmm. yourself go through the highs and the lows and come to a place of neutrality and then make a decision from that place. So you know, using all of these in tandem, your strategy and authority, you will hear any human design practitioner always tell you, come back to strategy and authority before anything else. And then you can also bring in these other aspects, like, am I feeling satisfaction? Or am I feeling frustration? Am I feeling successful? Am I feeling bitter? Um, And kind of go from there.
0: Do you think because of learning this skill and then better understanding that the way that you're meant to listen to yourself is a a certain way, you've become better at being able to self-assess over time
1: i think i have i think i've become better and also i don't think i'm remotely close to getting it right all the time yeah yeah Um, going back to your earlier question about like does it all come back to a feeling i i really appreciate that question because i think a lot of what human design tells us or or helps us remember is that there's so much wisdom in our physical body Mm -hmm. and in our feelings and i think most of us have been taught to um operate and make decisions and all of that mostly from our minds and human design teaches that our minds are really powerful and they're really really amazing partners in making decisions but they're not the decision maker it Mm -hmm. is the physical wisdom of our body it is you know the experiences that we've had the feelings that we have about certain things that Mm -hmm. and, and you can bring in the mind you can bring in you know what you've learned and things like that but like ultimately that shouldn't be the thing that makes decisions and I say all that to say all I still try to make decisions for my mind all the time. Like still try to pro con list things, or mm-hmm. I'll have like a kind of intuitive sense about something, and that's my authority. It is. It's called splenic authority, and it's really about mm-hmm. like that quiet whisper of intuition. And what does that tell me? Mm-hmm. And there are still times where I have an intuitive like thought about something, and immediately my mind jumps in and is like, "That doesn't make sense, though. That would never work," or like you uh, know whatever it might be. And yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, I can catch it and be like, "Oh." I see what you're doing. Like, it's okay, mind, we're good. You don't have to, you know, try to jump in and protect me there. But there are other times where I get, you know, I can go days or weeks or actually make a decision from my mind and be like, oh, yep, that's why this isn't working out because I didn't listen to my intuition.
0: Well, the interesting thing is even obviously you're, you've spent a lot of time working in marketing, that's only going to be helpful for you now focusing more on obviously writing, human design, yeah. coaching, like having that background is ideal. So if, if you yeah. think about those three phases, those that trial and error the, in the way that you've now been able to place yourself has allowed you to have all the skills that you need that many writers could have, they have the skills to write, but they don't necessarily have the way of thinking that a marketer thinks. Yes. And so it's it's interesting that you've like obviously you've gone through that time um, and you know, as it turns out probably learned all the right skills for exactly what what you're going through right now. And thinking about as you said it, my main background is in sales, and so I also like I've worked in management consulting, learned how to analyze situations well, but I I realized that the way that I would start trying to sell to someone was in over analyzing the whole situation to take them on the whole like mm-hmm. j- journey that I need to go on to convince myself that this is the right decision and that and whatever and so when you're having a sales conversation and you do that and there's no actual emotional hook in it yeah. it's just mm-hmm. purely logic you the, their brains don't make a buying decision with yeah. logic generally yep. that their, their body has to go, no, 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 like emotionally, I'm making this decision. Most people don't want to admit that it was an emotional decision, but that's how we buy. That's how our brains work.
1: Absolutely. And that reminds me of what we were talking about with the storytelling before where you were like, you know, I wrote out this like, here's 10 things that you can learn from this sort of thing. And that can be really great. And our minds can take that in. But I think you telling your story or me telling my story gives people an opportunity to like emotionally hook in, Mm -hmm. in a way where they're like, oh, my physical body resonates with that or remembers that or Mm. You know, I feel connected to you and less alone because of the experience that you're sharing, and that is what I think people they connect with. It's what they resonate with. It's what they really remember um, and are changed by.
0: Hmm. And and so, it, it, as it turns out, we then got back to the story. The the emotional <laughs> story is what you yeah. end up being somehow, somewhat connected to. Yeah. Um, if so, obviously you've run through my chart a little bit i understand you've got my chart sitting there in front of me in front of you sorry you sent me a very well written guide of how to deal with like me as a 6'2 um yeah. but i guess if i were to just be starting from scratch now and i basically say hey jenna i i'm interested in this human design stuff what can you what can you do for me like how would it how would it work
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if you were being introduced to it for the first time, I would probably just go over the basics with you. And Mm -hmm. so some of them we've talked about a little bit. I would tell you your type, your generator. There are five, there are technically four different types, but one of the types is an offshoot of the generator. It's called the manifesting generator. Mm -hmm. So there's generator, manifesting generator, manifester, um, reflector, and projector. So those are the five types. They're kind of like your sun sign and astrology. Um, There are obviously not very many of them, so you'll probably find a lot of generators in the world if you were you know, to see everyone's human design chart, but each of them has a different sort of energy and a different strategy like we talked about and way of like interacting with the world. Um, I would also tell you your your strategy and authority. So I, like I said, you have a sacral authority. There mm-hmm. are, I believe, nine different decision-making authorities. So not all of us are designed to make our decisions in the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's very important because we are often taught to, to think in the same way, to make decisions the same way, to interact with the world in the same way. And so even just looking at type strategy and authority, we have already differentiated people into like first five different types, nine different authorities. And then there's profile, which we've, we've talked about a little bit, which is sort of what is the role that you're meant to play in the world? And we've talked about the six two because that's what you and I both are, but there's 12 mm-hmm. different profiles as mm-hmm. well. So not everyone's meant to interact in the same way. And that has been so useful for me, both in not only understanding, well, all of this has been not only mm-hmm. understanding how I'm designed to operate, but it's like, you know, I live in this house with my partner and it helps me remember sometimes when I'm like, I don't understand why you are doing this the way that you're doing it, or why you're interacting with the situation the way that you are. And then to remind myself that he doesn't interact with the world the same way that I do. He's not Uh designed to. And it's like, it's one of those things that we know, but it's so easy to forget in relationship because it's like, why wouldn't you do it the way that I do it? My way is so great. Um, And human design reminds me that not only, Uh, is he different from me, but he's, he's supposed to be different from me. He's Mm -hmm. playing a different role. He has different strengths. He had, you know what I mean? So, and not just him, but like everyone in my life, it just helps me understand as I interact with, with people around me in the world. Um, So if we were doing, you know, just a basic reading like that, I would probably cover those things with you and obviously go, much deeper into what each of those mean and the energies are around them. And, and honestly ask you a lot of questions, because mm-hmm. even if I met another sacral generator six, two out in the world, they're still going to be different from you. They're still going to have different life experiences. They're still um, going to have different conditioning from the world around them. They're, they're going to have different experiences that have told them how they can or cannot be in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would, I would really just try to help them align back with this, natural way that they're designed and see how they can start tangibly showing up that way in their relationships or in their work or even just, you know, in in their own time. Um, And then if we were doing a more advanced reading, if you already had those basics down, I would start talking to you about, you know, the different centers in human design. Each of them is responsible for a different type of energy. And if you have them colored in, that means you have, you have them defined or you have consistent access to the energy of that Center if they're not colored in if they're white you have inconsistent access to that energy so you're more likely to take on that energy from other people and it's really mm-hmm. important to figure out like is this mine is this someone else's. Um, you know and 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 really come back to yourself as often as possible Then there's also all of these lines in the chart, and those are called channels. And if you only have one side of it, you just have a gate. And if you have those colored in, those are different strengths. Those Mm -hmm. also represent different kinds of energy. And those are strengths that you can bring to your work or your relationships or your ways of being in the world. Um, So there's just a lot. And I'm just like barely touching the surface, but, or skimming the surface, but there's a lot that I can pull from. And the, the deeper you go, the more you can see how it creates this very unique individual. And one of the funnest parts, I think, of a reading is taking all of that information and trying to synthesize it together. Like, what does it mean to be a 6-2 sacral generator with the 515 channel defined and only your identity center and your sacral center? Like, taking all of those things and kind, of actually, like, creating a story out of it. Mm. Creating, like, the story of Chris mm. and who you are and how you're designed to be in the world and, and getting to share that with people is a really, I think, special and... and um it's a privilege for me, experience, to be able to sort of highlight that for them.
0: And um, when you think back through all the people that you've given a reading to, what percentage do you think would be currently living out of alignment with their design?
1: (laughs) Oh, good question. Um, I mean, I think all of us, myself included, are probably living out of alignment with our design at least some of the time. Mostly because we live in, we live in relationship with other people. Like it, I think we'd kind of have to live in a silo to be like 100% in our design all the time, we're always being conditioned or influenced by other people and other experiences. But I do think that the people that I've had readings with have a deeper awareness of themselves, or at the very least, they already had that awareness. And the human design reading gave them permission of like, yes, you're supposed to be this way keep showing up this way. Please keep being yourself because we need you to. And you're also going to be a lot more likely to to find success. And I don't even just mean success in terms of, you know, business or money or anything like that, but success in terms of just feeling like you can be your authentic self, feeling happy and fulfilled and content in your life because you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. And so I think I think 100 percent, I hope of the people that I've given a reading to, have that sense and even if they find themselves living out of alignment with their design they are able to 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 see that to become aware of that pretty quickly and snap back into into how they know they're meant to be um probably in ways that they weren't as able to do before
0: yeah i think that one of the big benefits for me is yeah understanding that sacral response but to finding out that as a 6'2", my first 30 years or so was going to be lived as a three and I mm-hmm. it was all not necessarily going to work for me. That mm-hmm. just, when I think back on me up until 30 and then even a little bit beyond, um, I was just trying one new thing, trying the next new thing, like didn't stay in jobs for much longer than sort of three years or something along those lines, if even. Uh, and then just, and, and it just seemed like, a, like there are other people Who, yeah, were just stuck in one thing and it's all working out for them. And in the meantime, like I I was one, beating myself up for having done it. But then two, having looked at the human design, it suddenly just allowed me to go, Oh, dude, that's that was always gonna happen. Like you you can't beat yourself up for it. That's just what was gonna happen.
1: Exactly. And it was all for something, right? Like it Mm. was, it was it might have been painful. I think a lot of times those those that first thirty years is can feel really painful, especially if you don't know what's happening. Like, why isn't it working out for me when it's seems to be working out for everyone else? Um, but that, you know, the second phase for a sixth line, we call it going up on the roof and it's kind of like removing yourself a little bit from the fray of life and like looking back on your experiences and starting to integrate everything that you've learned. And that's the phase you and I are both in right now. And I see mm. it so clearly yeah, for yeah. both of us that yeah. we are just like, Whoa, what happened? And like, what did I learn from this? And, 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 already trying to figure out like, and how can I use all of that experience to serve other people? Like to, to make this beyond just my personal experience of life. How can I take all of that and, and do something with it? Um, so yeah, it's got, it's kind of like it, it was hard a lot of the time and confusing and painful, like I said, but it's a little bit easier now to look back on it and see, I kind of see why it all had to happen.
0: Mm. I think the other thing is just a certain level of excitement, knowing that the period that I'm in is what I'm in and I can't really rush it, but I yeah. have something to look forward to in the last phase of life as well as a, as a six mm-hmm. two. like, it just, that it works that way is sort of interesting. And I'd, I'd love to be able to map certain, um, let's say business owners or, uh, people or writers yeah. or whatever, um, and see whether somehow the timing aligns with what was expected from a human design profile, Mm -hmm. like the people who didn't make it in the first sort of 50 years, like how many of those actually were six twos kind of thing.
1: Yes. It's so interesting. I mean, you can actually, I think the website, um, or I know one of the human design websites is called Mm geneticmatrix.com. And I'm pretty sure you can go on there and they have like an archive of celebrity human design charts. And you can look by, type or profile or um maybe authority i'm not sure but i think Mm -hmm. you can look up like all the six twos that they have in their database so i think that would be really interesting i've seen people do you know celebrity chart readings too i think i mentioned to you that that barack obama was a six two and so it's interesting to see how someone like mapped out his life trajectory and Mm -hmm. um yeah so I agree with you. It's super interesting. And I just want to note for anyone who's listening, even if you're not a 6'2", there's 11 other profiles. They're all, they all have their own unique sort of uh, ways of being and and roles that you play in the world. And um, if anyone's interested in learning more, I'm happy to point them in the direction of of more information.
0: Awesome. And so I mentioned those sort of three phases in the 6'2 profile. Obviously, you and I are both in a situation where we're reflecting on everything that we've learned based on all the things that maybe didn't go right and and some things that did and then trying to focus on what will be what what will be sort of us uh, from that sort of 50ish stage when you yeah. think about that do you, do you have something in mind that you're excited I, about
1: I do I have awesome. something in mind which is I just imagine myself writing books all the time writing books and like Speaking on stages, like basically, I want to write a book and then I want to talk to people about my book and then I want to go back and write another book and and go from there. And um, yeah, I just imagine that is like a very satisfying life. And also, I'm in this phase of my life where I'm I'm realizing that the way that I tried to, like, really tightly grip onto what my life was going to be like or who I was going to be or what my career would look like or what I meant to contribute, um kind of like took some of the magic away from my process, like in the uh-huh. way that we're talking about, oh, I can look back on those 30 years and it was, it was rough then, but I get it now. I am trying to remind myself that like, I can try something right now and it doesn't necessarily have to be the thing for the uh-huh. rest of my life. If uh-huh. I'm feeling called to it, if I have that instinctive, you know, you know, splenic authority response to something like go for it, have fun with it. and not all of the things are maybe going to be what I'm doing when I'm 50, but when Mm -hmm. I'm 50, I'm going to look back and be like, Oh, that's why I did that because I needed, you know, whatever that experience, that relationship, that story, um, Mm -hmm. to tell later. So I do have that vision and I hold it with a lot of like a lot of excitement. And also I'm trying to hold on loosely.
0: Awesome. Yeah. It's, um, one thing, i was just thinking about in terms of some of your backstory i've I've only just started out in coaching and i'm just working with a couple of people at the moment but i find that there's one particular question where you're looking at significant life events so many people i've spoken to have spoken about a change in city was Mm -hmm. that like? would you say that that was significant for you and how did it change things for you when you when you moved
1: yeah it was hugely significant. Um, I mean, also, it was just a, like a tumultuous time in my life. So I think it was a, a combination of a lot of things that um, made that time in my life significant. But for me, it was getting to place myself in a literal other part of, of my country, um, I think allowed me to look with fresh eyes upon myself upon mm-hmm. my situation. It's kind of like that you kind of need to take yourself out of a situation sometimes to be able to see things differently. And I feel like that's what I needed. I will mm-hmm. tell you that at the time, I wasn't like thinking that clearly. I was just like, "I gotta move. I gotta do something different. You know, i gotta I gotta get out of here. And Portland had been a place that I had always loved. And even from the first time I came, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna live here one day." And I had no idea how or when or why, but, you know, it worked out that that that's where I ended up those couple of years later. So, Yeah, I think for me it was just, it was what I needed to be Mm -hmm. able to see things differently, to have a new perspective. I needed a literal new perspective.
0: And what would you say is the biggest change since you left Los Angeles and moved to Portland? If you would just think about the one way that your life is different now, what would that be?
1: I think that I have, I think that I've settled a little bit. And when I say that, what I mean is, I think I used to try and find some exciting new thing or or tried to blow up some part of my life because i was like i need something different or i need to fix something or i need to whatever and Mm. now i feel like i can settle with things i can i can sit with discomfort i can Um, continue to self-develop and grow, but also not constantly nitpick myself and feel that there's. I always have to be looking for something to fix. Mm. Um, And I don't know if that's Portland. I don't know if that's the move or if it's just part of growing up or if it's part of our second phase of like Mm. getting up on the roof and like not needing to bump into things all the time. Mm -hmm. But I can just tell that I am calmer and I do still want exciting things. You know, I do still want to like leap and see if the net will appear sometimes and also i'm like really happy with just like being at home with my partner and my dog and reading Mm. a book and not everything has to be this big event in my life anymore
0: so you say he's sort of slowed down a little bit
1: Yes. yes
0: yeah it's um it's funny for me to reflect on moving from brisbane to toronto and without having to tell the whole story my walking pace changed like in what significantly like I, I remember getting to Toronto and, and going for a. we were getting like a bagel or something like that and I was I hadn't been working and I was just sort of pretty chill and I yeah. got in the line for the bagel and everyone's stressed and then rushing and and I, I got to the like there were so many questions when I got to the end they were like, and what about this and what about this and how would you like this and I was just like Oh my god! Um, just give me a fucking bagel. Do you know, like I was just like, and and I got out of it, and I was just like, oh my, just I I don't want to be here. Like I don't want to be in this situation. There's something so stressful about it, and I think partially because I'd taken that break, I'd come back yeah. into it, and it no longer felt native. But yeah. I realized by the, the the end of the time that I lived in Toronto, I had just sped things up so much because I was. Obviously, things weren't necessarily working out for me at the time, but I was just so in my head and I was so used to having to rush around, especially in real estate over there, mm-hmm. that it just, I needed to, I, Mike, if you listen back to how I talk in Toronto versus mm-hmm. now, I sound like a completely different person. Wow. And so it's interesting that I just basically, over the last couple of years, just like you have, it's just been a sort of gradual slowdown and relaxing. I'm still... Probably doing a little bit too much stuff, but yeah. that's also exciting for me. Um, but generally, things have relaxed a lot more, um, yeah. and even and I'll I'll generally know um, just through the music that I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. Like I'll again, like you'll just notice that for one point you were listening to X BPM, and then next thing it had slowed down considerably, and you you don't really jump back into that sort of music anymore. So it's. Yeah. Yeah, it's been an interesting situation.
1: That's so interesting to note. I don't know that I've had anything like that tangible, but yeah, that's super fascinating.
0: Yeah. Well, um, where can people find you if they're looking to get in touch?
1: Yeah. So um, my website is jennabritton.com. I have another one where um, for my coaching and human design reading, that's at braveenoughtobe.com, but they're all mm-hmm. linked to each other. So if you find one, you'll find the other. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at Jenna Britton Writes, W R I T E S. And um, email is jenna at Awesome.
0: And before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to talk about?
1: No, I don't think so. I think we've covered it. Um, I really appreciate the time. And like I said earlier, if anyone has questions about human design, I'm always happy to to answer them. You don't have to book a session necessarily if you just want to be pointed in the right direction for more information. But I love talking about this. I love um, really helping people connect to the most authentic version of themselves and really feel comfortable and have the permission to live that out every day of their lives. So appreciate you, Chris having a conversation with me and
0: yeah and i before actually i realized there's one last question that i didn't touch on does the coaching sit or does does human design almost sit inside the coaching and they sort of help each other and that's how it works
1: it does yeah so the coaching i use i will always look up someone's human design chart um as part of the coaching and like Mm -hmm. like, sort of guiding me as i guide them Mm -hmm. but also some people don't necessarily want to be coached they just want the information about their human design and so that's why separately have the human design readings as an offer.
0: Awesome. Well, Jenna, thanks very much for sitting down with me. I hope you enjoy your Saturday night as I roll into my Sunday uh, (laughs) afternoon. And uh, yeah, again, thanks for taking the time to talk.
1: Of course. Thank you so much, Chris.
0: Cheers, Jenna. Bye-bye.